During times like these, it's easy to see what matters most. It's the health of your family, making sure your kids are still learning even though school's out and having enough in the bank to pay for food and medication. At Wafat Bank, we're with you. From the Great Depression to today's pandemic, we've been helping in situations like these for more than 100 years. It's why we're offering the Wafat Bank Mortgage Assistance Program, giving those who need it the option to defer mortgage payments for up to three months at no cost. Visit wafedbank.com. Equal housing lender, loan subject to credit approval. Listen to this. It's like Kamani, the flying winger. Here's Brad Evans. It's Steve. It's Steve. Who is it? It's Brad Evans. <laughs> Happy days are here again. Turning with a drive. It's Steve Zakawani. Evans with the left foot. He's an attacking threat, Brad Evans. This is so weird. The party has started. I'm delighted to say that we're joined by a um, friend of the Seattle community, definitely no stranger to these parts. Um, had a couple of stints here with the Sounders organization. Uh, one of the few players in Sounders history to score a hat trick. And mm-hmm. just all around good guy, David Estrada, uh, joins us now. David, what's up, man? Hey, brother. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to connect with both of you guys. I missed you guys. I follow you guys on Instagram, but it's Good to finally catch up and hear <laughs> some of the stuff that you guys are up to. No, absolute pleasure, man. I think, you know, everyone we've had on um, every week, we have to just start at the most obvious place, which is obviously the COVID situation that's going around. Um, for you, what's the current situation? Can you enlighten us kind of in the USL? I've not seen too much announcements from the USL as a league. I've seen some from MLS. Is it the same? Are there guidances for individual training? Um, how much are the players being kept in the loop? And also, how have you been staying fit during this time? Yeah, I think, obviously, it probably varies state to state. Um, you have places that are on lockdown or uh, shelter in place. And uh, luckily, here in Albuquerque, you didn't get to that point. But people are practicing social distancing. And um, for us, it was just kind of like the season was put on hold. And we were just doing these virtual workouts through Zoom uh, every so often. Uh, we're pretty lucky here that we have a bunch of resources where Jim was sending us these pretty cool like virtual workouts. So been able to stay fit. And uh, for me, kind of obviously as a professional player, you have a lot of free time. But uh, I've been able to stay kind of more more or less engaged in the community at the center that I work in and just trying to connect uh, different businesses to this uh, center. So I've, I've been able to keep pretty uh, busy, actually, and I've been able to go out for runs, go out for hikes, but obviously practicing social distancing by myself. And yeah, man, that's some of the stuff that, that's kind of been going on while this COVID-19 has been uh, going on in the whole country, I guess. David, what's up, dude? It's Brad. I know, brother. Good to talk. Good to hear from you, man. You too. And when you just said a run, I, I knew that you would say that. And one run that came <laughs> to my mind was when we were in Mexico for preseason. And I think the guys all went out. You decided I'm done at, you know, 12, 30, one o'clock in the morning. And I think you ran home from the bar like five miles or something like that back to the hotel. Is that right? Yeah, man. Yeah, man. I, I <laughs> this figured, dude loves so, to run. <laughs> we were in Cancun. Yeah. And uh, they said it was only like a couple, uh, a couple like resorts away. But these resorts are <laughs> massive. And so I ended up running like, yeah, like five miles and it was cool, man. Like I remember we were at like uh senior frogs or something 
and like the, <laughs> the night was honestly it was getting too wild for me and i was like i need to go and so i just like i was like i think it's a straight shot from here and i just took off and it was a nice jog for sure <laughs> dude this this guy's the opposite of steve right yeah absolutely steve, steve <laughs> took an uber home for sure any, uh, any chance yeah. any chance bro my, 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 hey, my, but steve, steve doesn't drink so that's why like he's good man he can stay out as that's long true as when i played i never drank that's true that's true i, would, yeah, I wish man. i could say that yeah. now i like a little vino but um <laughs> yeah man um, now D- david so i'm trying to remember i remember you came obviously you were here in seattle the first thing we know all about that mm-hmm. i want to do get, i do want to get to that later but you came back a second time to play with s2 and had a fantastic season but then yeah i put my head down when my head was back up you were gone to new mexico how did that move mm-hmm. come about why didn't you stay in seattle another year can you kind of enlighten us on your path to um albuquerque yeah i mean uh the individual that ended up getting the head coach position here, his name is Troy Lesane, and uh, we worked together at Charlotte when I was there uh, a couple years. And I always liked the guy, and I kind of wanted to work with him again just because I knew his uh, his drive and just his winning mentality. And so when he made the announcement that he was to come here, I kind of connected with him. There were some other personal things that were kind of going on at the time. Um, and so I kind of reached out to him, obviously I I had a really good year, but, um, I didn't know where that was going to go. If I had a good year there, you know, it was kind of leaning more towards coaching and I enjoyed the coaching aspect of it, but I also kind of, you know, when you're wanting to compete to win, um, I knew like this place was going to be a place where they're going to be trying to win a championship. And so that kind of swayed my move out here and uh, you know I think I don't know if you followed along USL I think we probably have the best fan base in, in the whole country um, we're a small city but you know the the fan base here is you know all about the team they're super energized um, when I first moved here uh, you always hear about the things that Albuquerque the negative things about Albuquerque how they're at the bottom of education the bottom of healthcare. Um, poverty everything but um you know it's been cool to see that this team has uh brought in something positive and you know the, the people here are super prideful and i'm so like happy that i made the move out here just because it's a, a different um culture here than any other place i've i've played in and yeah man i think it's been a really good move for me in terms of just uh, continuing to improve as a player and wanting to push myself on and off the field uh, New Mexico holds a special place in my heart. So my, my dad's side of the family is all from New Mexico. I don't know if you've taken a trip down to uh, Truth or Consequences, Elephant Butte Lake. Yeah, Does man. that ring a bell? Yeah. So that's where my, yeah, my dad's yeah, yeah. side of the family is from, tiny little town. So Becky and I made sure that's when crazy. we drove through uh, New Mexico last year that we stopped pretty much everywhere from uh, Las Cruces is where uh, I kind of spent my summers and at, at uh, yeah. TRC also up by the lake. So um, New yeah. Mexico is special. And I think, like you said, it is a super prideful and they're kind of looking for something to grab onto. And, and community has always been a massive uh, part for you. I, it almost seems yeah. like now the community aspect is, has taken a, a larger step for you than, than soccer maybe. Is that, is that fair to say that that's kind of your next think- avenue and you're kind of transitioning into that? Yeah, but if you if you ask me, like I'm still like super fit. I'm still like the fittest yeah, guy on the course. team, and so like, um, yeah, yeah. After soccer, obviously, like I think two or three more years, like, um, I definitely want to focus on the community aspect of whether it be sports or just you know providing some form of like 
nonprofit or uh, program in, in the community that I decide to, to stay in. And um, I love Albuquerque and I definitely want to stay here for, I didn't move here just to move for like another stop along the journey, you know, and um, I definitely want to leave like a lasting legacy. And um, yeah, like you said, it was the move here wasn't just to play soccer, it was to actually see where I can uh, have an impact off the field as well. And, you know, the people are so receptive. And um, as you said, the people are super prideful. And I think we are trying to be a reflection of them because of like how prideful they are. And so it's been cool to, for us to build our kind of identity around that. Um, but yeah, man, you're right on point when you said that I definitely am leaning towards like, I'm, and to be honest, I'm super inspired by like Zach Zakwani and like James Riley when he was in Seattle, uh, Taylor Graham, Roger Levesque, who's continuing to do stuff with Ray Foundation. Um, you know, and those are some of the players that I look to. And uh, one of the sad things for me, I think, is that, you know, I was, I was always like, well, I'll wait till, you know, like I'll wait till uh, I score more goals or I get more playing time. And like, you know, you guys were just doing it and you guys are doing it for the right reason. That's, that's one thing that's changed for me is just like my intention behind it is just to, you know, help people uh, bring positive light to wherever I go. And I appreciate you guys always kind of shedding that light and, you know, inspiring me to do that as well. For sure, man. And absolutely. I think you're an inspiration to so many youth, obviously. I think you've always been that way. Um, Let's talk about, your first stint in Seattle, obviously the highlight is the hat-trick against um, yeah. um, Toronto FC. But were there any other highlights? Any When you think back to that time, what other memories sort of come to your mind, whether it's on the pitch, off the pitch, um, any experiences, any games? Obviously the, the hat-trick, but what, what do you think about when you think about your original stint with the Sounders? Man, I think about the, the game before that. Obviously, we got crushed with uh, Santos. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh that first Don't professional goal <laughs> that first professional goal you know like it was cool to kind of just envision that goal and then see it happening because I, I like worked so hard that off season um another highlight was the end of my second year where you know I got a, a little bit more playing time towards the end of the year and I felt like Siggy gave me that confidence to you know try to give me that first step to earn a real true spot on the team um, that third year. And, um, you know, I think all the stuff that we did in the community always kind of stand out to me. I think the impact that you guys have that we've had in on the, on that community has been something that I take with me everywhere I go. I know the immense responsibility that comes with being a professional player, especially in a place where they love the team. And so all that stuff off the field, um, uh, I got the Humanitarian of the Year award when I, I, I think it was the year where I broke my foot. So that was a uh, a really good way to like um, see that I just didn't sit around and do nothing, you know. And um, when I got that call that I had won the Humanitarian of the Year award, I it was really, it really cheered me up and kind of turned um, a little bit more of the motivation of like continuing to do this stuff. Um, and so, yeah, those are kind two or three of the highlights that, that I have in Seattle. And, man, I, I've met so many people there in terms of just lasting relationships, too. Um, you know, John Wilson was a guy that, that I met early on in my career, and now he's, like, one of my best friends. And, you know, those are kind of the things that, you know, in soccer, you're always going to look to um, accomplishments or accolades. But uh, I, I've kind of learned to look at it 
outside of that as well. And those are some of the things that kind of really are going to stick with me for the rest of my life, you know? It's uh, it, it's, Seattle seems to bring back everyone. That's the crazy part. And it's a combination of, <laughs> I, I think, having a winning team. You know, I think we, we spoke about this on, um, you know, we did a 2009 kind of recap of the inaugural game on Saturday night. And I, I kind of posed the question, yeah. what, if, what if this team was a bunch of losers on the field? Like, would we wouldn't be sitting here talking the way that we do. But the fact that it was a winning team from day one definitely helps mm-hmm. bring bring the community together. So community yeah. is part of it. But but winning games mm-hmm. is number one. Um, yeah. I got to ask you, though. I mean, you were you were born in Mexico and then you went to Southern California. Mm-hmm. I live off of green chili. So <laughs> yeah. I, I, I need I need to know if oh, you if you've you're taken gonna, gonna to the New Mexico. Oh, you're soft, aren't you? <laughs> you can't you can't handle the heat i can't handle the heat man it's genetic it's genetic bro i started sweating there's like that's uh, good though it's, it's seriously there, there's uncles that, that have the same thing where like we touch we smell spicy bro and we start sweating and uh yeah man i'm not i'm not big on red or green chili man i'm, I'm sorry but that's just it's in, it's in my genetic makeup I know you and get asked rare. that question a, all the time in New, Me- in New Mexico. Yes, yes. But the other thing, not to bash on, like, New Mexican um, food, but, like, everything is, like, drench it with green chili, yes. and then it's, like, a New Mexico, <laughs> like, <laughs> so pizza, green chili, New Mexican pizza. Spaghetti, green chili, New Mexican uh, spaghetti, yeah, so. But, yeah, the food is, I'm going to say, is, is average in terms of, but uh, there are a good, a few good spots that kind of stick out. But yeah, man, no, I can't do spicy, bro. Sorry. <laughs> Absolutely, awesome. Lashana, before we let you go, um, how can people you know, that are listening kind of keep up with some of the work you're doing over there? Obviously, you're doing a great work in the community um, with the youth, especially during these times when certain communities need a little bit more help than others. Um, how can mm-hmm. we, you know, follow and keep up with some of the stuff you're doing? Well, appreciate that, Steve. Um, so. Right now, I'm currently trying to connect the dots, and um, obviously, Albuquerque is a little bit of a smaller community. Uh, we have small businesses that are kind of struggling right now, and um, what I want to continue doing is highlighting some of these local businesses that have good people behind them and provide some of these foods to the community center that I work in. And so the first two that I did, I paid for it myself. Uh, this next one is going to be paid by a fundraiser that we did. And so moving forward, I want to continue having these fundraisers, whether it be through virtual um, yoga classes or uh, these other type of podcasts. And um, if they can just be on the lookout, I'll put up like uh, this information where people can donate to. And then that money is going to go towards the business. And then that business is going to provide the food to these kids. Um, Cause some of these kids are, their parents are essential workers. There's only like 12 kids that come to the center, but uh, you know, to be able to kind of help them out and provide healthy, uh, good meals. Like that's something that uh, you can just see their faces light up when, when new foods come in and, uh, they get to change uh, their, their diet a little bit just that for that one day, but they get to try something new. So that's kind of what I want to continue doing. And um, yeah, just be on the lookout on my, on my Instagram page, on my Twitter feed. And uh, I want to really continue to make those dots to, you know, make it full circle, supporting the kids, supporting the community and like people helping me do that. So yeah, man. Beautiful. 
Amazing, man. Amazing. Keep doing the good work. Um, absolute pleasure. Obviously, keep playing for as long as you can as well. Yes, um, please. Yeah, yeah, make sure you keep playing. For the hey, same Grant, you, you, you owe me a visit to Albuquerque, man. I know you were on your uh, on your tour. <laughs> I know. And uh, you need to stop by. <laughs> we're, uh, I plan got... on working working for a couple more years and then taking another sabbatical and getting back out there on the road because there's just too much we need to see in, in Albuquerque. Yeah, is, uh, nice. If you can hang on for another two or three to six <laughs> years, I'll be there. All right, I will. I will. <laughs> All right, David. Thanks. Really good talking to you guys. I miss you guys, and thank you guys for everything you guys are doing for the fans out there. I know, like you guys are two great, amazing humans, and you guys, I I really am happy that you guys are back there because you guys are complete legends in in Seattle, and uh, so happy for you guys. Experience the friendly, captivating atmosphere at Urbane Restaurant and Bar. By sourcing fresh ingredients from the Pacific Northwest, chefs Caleb Espinosa and Brian Griffin put their own unique and inspiring twists on dishes that feature throughout Urbane's upscale comfort, globally inspired menus. Enjoy creative cocktails, local craft drafts, and meals that will make you yell, Goal! Alongside fellow Sounders fans during both home and away matches, discover Urbane within Hyatt at All of Eight, the official hotel partner of your Seattle Sounders FC. All right, delighted again to say we're joined by another former teammate of myself and Brad Evans, someone also who needs no introduction to the Sounders family. Um, he's up in Vancouver right now with his beautiful family, but he's made time to join us this morning. Andy Rose, welcome to the podcast, man. Thanks so much, so much for having me, guys. Absolutely. Um, I, I always now pretty much start with an obvious question for everyone is, you know, how's this time this kind of strange time the whole world is in. How's this been for you? And, you know, what sort of things have you been able to do to kind of keep busy and stay fit? Because at any moment you can get the call that MLS is back. So how have you been spending the past eight to 10 weeks, I guess? Yeah, no, of course, it's been a strange time for all of us. Um, you know, obviously we have no idea what what football is going to look like uh, when we get back, what the world's going to look like when we get back. So it's just about trying to stay as fit as possible. I've been lucky. There's so much, um, so many parks up here and the weather's been great. I'm sure it's been the same down in, in Seattle. So I've been able to get out and do a lot of fitness work. And then obviously like all MLS teams are doing these zoom workouts. That I think everyone's probably getting sick of now. Um, and then it's actually, to be honest, mate, it's been probably busier than the normal for me. I'm, I'm back in school working towards a master's degree and coaching badges. And then, uh, my two-year-old, I think, has more energy than Aaron Kovar somehow. So he keeps me, he keeps me busy, man. Oh man, Cove, man. We got we got to get Kovar on here too. We do. We, we got do. we got to check in with him next week, man. I've I've tried to get him on here and he says no, but I think I'm just gonna call. We're just gonna call him and catch him by surprise, Steve. I think that'll be next week. Uh, Andy, you you kind of touched on it. You're getting your coaching badges, and you know everyone we've talked to on here pretty much seems like they they're either dabbling in coaching or they're gonna pursue it. Um, so how did that kind of come about? Is it something that's been in your DNA for a while or did it happen when, um, you know, your father-in-law kind of, you kind of looked at him and said, oh man, I can do better than him. <laughs> you know, it's always been, it's always been something I've, I've wanted to do even when I was 17, 18. I, I knew uh, eventually after my playing days, that was going to be something that would really interest me. And um, it was, I, I really got into it when I met when I moved to Coventry City and uh, the club captain at the time was a guy named Sam Ricketts. He had 
played for Wales, played in the Premier League, had a great career with Wolves. Um, and he was getting his UEFA A license with the Welsh FA and, and kind of uh, introduced me to, to it all. And over there, it's, it's a lot easier. You know, the federations are much more, um, you know, they make it easier for the players to get on board. They do it during the off season. And um, it's a lot more common for players to take their coaching badges, you know, while they're in that environment, while they're playing. Uh, to prepare them for the next uh, the next stage of their careers, and so he he was able to help me get on the UEFA B license with with the Welsh FA. Absolutely loved it. That took me about a year to complete, and, and met some great people, and just really enjoyed enjoyed learning and, and working with the Coventry City Under 18s at that point. And then uh, you know took uh, a year in between um, going ahead with the A license and. Now this month, uh, I'll be finishing that up via Zoom. I was supposed to go back to Wales and, and complete it uh, at the end of May. But um, obviously, that's, that's all changed now. And so they're, they're putting these Zoom sessions on throughout the month of May. We had our first one yesterday. Um, so, yeah, it's been, it's been great. I've, I've really enjoyed it. I think it's something that um, certainly MLS should, should look at for players because I know there's a, a ton of interest, but it's, it's really hard for players to, to be able to do that um, during their careers. Really, really cool. Um, Rose, why don't I ask you this, yeah? Because I always think of myself as having kind of like a unique story, but I think yours might be crazier because obviously, you know, I'm born in the Congo, but I was, I know, I grew up in London. I think I'm English and I've been in America for 13 years. Um, so I don't even know where I'm from, but you were, I didn't know until recently that you were actually born in Australia, not England. And then you mate, moved to um, England. I'm just as, I'm a muff just like you, mate. <laughs> and then. And then you, you somehow you know, end up at UCLA and then, you know, it was real so late that selected you in the draft. So kind of just give the rundown of your journey from Australia, ending up obviously now to um, you came to America. But yeah, how did it happen? When did you go to England? Do you feel English? Or yeah, give, give us a little bit of that. <laughs> real quick rundown. Born in Australia to English parents. You know, they were just there for a couple of years working. So I have no memories. I was, uh, I think, 18 months when we moved back to England. So I spent the majority of my childhood in England. Um, my sister was actually kind of the driving force behind me wanting to pursue, you know, NCAA and college career in America. She, she was a really good tennis, youth tennis player and went to Northwestern University in Chicago and had a, had a great, she's actually become a, a coach now, which is, I'm just following in her footsteps, really. She's a coach at, at UW, actually, a women's tennis coach at UW. Um, and so, you know, the, the idea was always, you know, I think a lot of young English kids want to do what, what we both did. It's, it's difficult to understand how it's done with the, the clearinghouse and the SATs and yeah. all the steps you have to take and, and getting colleges to be interested in you. And I was really fortunate with UCLA. The, uh, the two coaches at the time came out to watch me play in a game against Southampton. Um, remember it really well. I was so excited that they were there and, and then I went out to uh, to look at a few schools. Uh, absolutely fell in love with with UCLA. Could easily picture myself as an 18 year old from from Bristol, living in Los Angeles for a few years. That was that wasn't uh, hard to do. Oof. And then um, just kind of fell in love with with America. Really wanted to go to MLS. You know, I was fortunate at UCLA to have a lot of role models that had moved on to the professional game the years before me. You know, Mikey Stevens had a great career with the LA Galaxy and Kyle Nakazawa. Brad Russin, there were some uh, some good good players. Moby Akugo went uh, the year before I did. So 
there was, uh, you know, I was playing with a lot of really talented players. And, um, yeah, I was, I actually trained with Seattle. I don't know if, if you guys would remember my junior year of I college. Remember. Um, I remember. I remember. So that yeah. Been, yeah, that would have been like 2000. <laughs> <laughs> of course you know. <laughs> you knew I was coming for your spot. <laughs> and then, uh, and then, yeah, man, I just, I was, I think I was drafted to Salt Lake and for two hours I was just uh, I was with my girlfriend my wife now and we were just like googling everything about Utah and um, and then I got a call from Chris Henderson saying you know the trade had been done the night before if I was available at that spot and uh, unfortunately I was I was so happy it was it was the place after my week in in Seattle with the Sounders my junior year I knew if I was lucky enough that would be you know, where I wanted to go. And um, yeah, it worked out great. It's, it's interesting. So did you always have the, the dream to go back to Europe and, and test it out? Or was that something that happened as you kind of established yourself with the Sounders? Because in 2015, you had 29 appearances and then you go and test yourself abroad. It seems like you were on a good run of form here. Why uproot and, and change things? Yeah, I mean, I remember you. You know, obviously, we were we were close at that point, and, and we, you know, we talked about it a lot. I just, it, it was one of those things I had a contract off on the table from from the Sounders, and it was definitely a place uh, I was about to get married, and it, it was a place I called home for sure. I absolutely loved my time with the Sounders. I felt a part of the furniture there. I absolutely loved uh, loved the team, loved the coaching staff. It was such a great experience. But I was also aware that given the way MLS contracts are designed with the option years, I was 25, I believe at the time. And I knew that if I signed that deal, it was very unlikely I'd ever go and, and play in Europe. And uh, obviously my mom and dad are in, are in England. And I just thought, let's see, let's see what happens. Why not? Um, so yeah, part of me always wanted to do it. And then at the time it was just kind of taking, taking a bit of a leap. And um, we got married uh, in early January there in new jersey and then literally two days later i was on a flight to, to coventry and, and part of the deal with coventry was it was they were flying in league one at the time and had, uh, had a great team um it was you know tony mowbray was the manager i thought it'd be a place i could go and really and learn and 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 just see something new and and part of being a footballer i think a great part of being a footballer is is that you can play in different countries and, um, you know, you can go and, and see new cultures and, and be a part of different teams, different philosophies. Um, so it was, uh, it was a great opportunity to live to, for my mom and dad to see me play, you know, every week, which was, which was great for them. Um, and, uh, yeah, obviously it was, it was, a it was a cool decision at the time. Are you downhill um, skiing right now? <laughs> are you in a wind tunnel? One of the two. Sorry, mate. Let me do my windows up. I just got off the training pitch and I'm boiling hot, so I have my windows down in my car. Okay, Smart. so you did. So Vancouver opened up training today, yeah, for the individual training. <clears throat> not yet, not yet. Okay. We're not quite there yet, but yeah, I know. I know some teams have. So okay. um, I believe we've we've got a, a a team call later on today. So I think they're going to explain explain everything and then yeah hopefully we'll be back on the pitch individually um following all these mls guidelines in the next few days okay and something that i think people always want to know and you've you're probably as well positioned as anyone to talk about it obviously you played for the sounders a very good mls team at the time making a ton of appearances you go to coventry then you go to scotland to motherwell how do the 
levels compare? And if not the levels, then the styles in, in all three leagues um, for you? Yeah, no, it's a question I get a lot. It's, um, you know, MLS is such a, it's, it's such an interesting league and, and so, so many players want to come and play here. First of all, it's, you know, it's incredible, the growth, even from, from my time from 2012 to 2015 to now where it is. Um, you know, I've seen it's a completely different league now with kind of the younger, younger superstars coming through. Um, the, the difference is, I mean, look, I, at Coventry, I played with some great players and actually reminded me a little bit of the Sounders team because they had uh, guys like Joe Cole, um, who would have been the equivalent of like an Obafemi come in or... You guys got me? It's kind of breaking up a bit. Yeah, we got you. Um, yeah, you know, like an Obafemi or Clint Dempsey coming back. Uh, and then we had some really, really great young players. Um, James Madison was, was with me there for six months. Who's, you know, the first time I saw him play, um, I had a feeling he'd be worth, you know, ridiculous amount of money one day. Um, John Fleck, who's, who's, you know, one of the best midfielders for Sheffield United at the moment. Jack Stevens, who's playing week in, week out for Southampton in Premier League the last couple of years. Um, so the, the amount of talent uh, that I saw, especially at Coventry, and then the younger talent I saw at Motherwell was, was really impressive. I think the academy systems there are just able to churn out so many good players, um, you know, year after year. What's special about MLS is obviously the top end of the rosters and the amount of money you're able to spend on those, you know, originally the top three players, now even, you know, five, six, seven, eight players um, are are special, you know, and, and that end of the roster is, is where the difference really is. And below that, um, you know, I found the level in League One and the level in the Scottish Premier League to be, Throughout the, you know, player number one through player number 23, 24, there wasn't a big gap. So to get into the 18 and to get into the 11 was, you know, training was incredibly intense. It was that there wasn't much between you. Um, obviously, in, in the SBL, there's, there's Celtic and Rangers, but Celtic especially, whose budget is uh, far superior to, to the rest of the clubs. And, and those games were always a lot of fun tactically. Um going up against top players there but then the rest of the league games are just 100 miles an hour and and just a, a real battle so um slightly different different leagues for sure uh you talk about top end players and you know when i think about players moments in their career for the sounders i often think of goals but for me it's when i think of your best moment is that assist to oba like, I, that, for some reason, when I think about your time at the Sounders, that's the moment I go to. It's just such a ridiculous, like, replay and ball and just the whole sequence. What What is your favorite moment as, as a Sounder? Um, you know, my favorite group I played with, I think, was 2014. It, it was funny. Each group was different each year. Um, I loved my first year, I think, when you make your debut and, and everything's new, that, that team in 2012. I learned so much that year. So obviously I have so many great memories from then. 2014, I think was just, when you look back on your career, I'm sure you've done the same, both of you guys. And you think about really special years and, and what you were able to achieve with a certain group of players. I just think 2014 was was so unique in my career. Um, there were just so many great, great people on that team. You look back at it and guys like Kenny Cooper, Chad Barrett, uh, Cam Weaver, Jaleel Anibaba, Dylan Remick, just guys I became really, really close with. Um, we just had something really great in that locker room. And obviously we 
won 20 games that year. It must have been one of the most successful seasons in Sounders history and winning the Supporters' Shield and the Open Cup. That whole year for me was just, uh, you know, I think that was the first year I lived over in Kirkland. So lifestyle-wise, it was amazing. You know, we were we were neighbors then and everything off the field was just uh, so much fun. So when I think back about my time, 2014 really sticks out. I also, the goal against Salt Lake in like the 94, fourth or fifth minute when we won three two um that's definitely one of my personal favorite moments um it also you know i think we i don't know how many points we ended up winning the supporter shield by but it was close i think with the galaxy and i remember the feeling after that game like you know what if those extra two points push us towards that then uh it will be huge and and it, it was definitely close at the end of the season um and then just uh winning the open cup you know at philly the way the game went, I uh, played all 120 minutes and, and obviously we brought Clinton over off the bench and, and won it in extra time. And just that feeling of, of uh, holding up a trophy um, after just an absolute dogfight was, uh, was a great memory. Love it. Um, Rose, before, before we go, I, I, I do want to ask you this. Obviously, you compete against your brother-in-law. I think you played against Michael, right? You know what, mate? We've never played against each other. He you was, haven't uh, played against Michael. To, when they came to us last year, he was injured. And the time uh, in Seattle when we would have played against each other, I was injured. So oh. um, we, still, we still haven't been on the pitch together at the same time. Have you played against Bob? Yes. Got absolutely destroyed by <laughs> LAFC away last season. <laughs> It's not a good memory. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely love it. Um, um, how are you enjoying Vancouver? Yeah, Vancouver's Vancouver is great. Obviously, it's the Pacific Northwest. When the opportunity came up, we had. Uh, I was I was loving life in Motherwell. Motherwell was when I was, when I talk about that 2014 Sounders team. I got very similar vibes uh, with with my Motherwell group. It was a really tight-knit group of players all around the same age all with something really to prove it's a really humble club but with really good people working for it and uh we got to two cup finals we kind of overachieved as a group um throughout my time there and and there was no real reason to leave apart from um my son had been born and you know if we had the chance to get back to the west coast for for ryan to be a bit closer to her parents and whatnot it would have been great and Vancouver just kind of came up at, at the right time and um, I was so excited obviously to get back to this part of the world um, really enjoy you know when I talk about a coaching career one day you know learning from Mark Dos Santos has been has been huge in his first MLS job and as a young coach um, this year has been very different to last so far uh, you know throughout preseason off the field we the club made a lot of changes and um, one thing that people ask me about Seattle and what, what, what makes that club so successful, I always talk about, um, especially in those, my early years there were the role that Adrian played and, and obviously being, having an owner that's also the GM and so visible to the players and out there every day. And, and just, uh, I, I think it just gives the whole club a huge boost when you have that kind of energy and enthusiasm right from the very top and, that's something I've really noticed this season is, is kind of the, the business side and the playing side have been much more aligned. And um, throughout preseason, our owners were around and just interacting with the team. Um, I felt that that gave the, the whole club a huge boost. And obviously, we, we started the season 
pretty well and, and had a great result down in LA before um, before COVID kind of struck. So we're it's a good group of players and we're, we're excited to get back whenever that may be. Perfect. Love it. Absolute Rose. Absolute pleasure having you on, man. Calling all Sounders fans. Do you know a community hero? Now more than ever, we want to recognize those that are going above and beyond to serve our region. Whether grocery store workers, healthcare professionals, janitors, restaurant staff, or friendly neighbors, our community is full of courageous individuals who deserve our thanks. Please nominate your community hero at soundersfc.com slash community heroes for a chance to have CHI Franciscan and Sounders FC honor them with a VIP experience. Hey fans, as always, make sure to tune in to Sounders FC Classics this Saturday, May 9th, as we look back on the club's 2015 Cascadia Cup clinching win versus the Vancouver Whitecaps. Watch the entire contest at 7pm on Joe TV, soundersfc.com or the Sounders FC app. You can also listen on 950KJRAM. Saturday's edition of Sounders FC Classics is presented by Budweiser, the official beer partner of Sounders FC. So 7 p.m. this Saturday, guys. Um, Brad, you played in that game, yeah? Uh, I don't remember, Steve. Um, we'll, we'll, that'll be my answer for every one of these games. <laughs> uh, uh, all right. Well, um, I, I did, yeah. I, I did play in this one. I, I don't remember. The, I, I remember Gonzo's goal, but I don't remember yeah. much else about it, to be honest. I, I'm going to ask you this, yeah, and then I want you to be as honest as possible. And the and I didn't play as many of these games because by the time, you know, I had like my injury issues and stuff, um, that's when these teams became more prominent. But still, I always felt like the Portland Timbers rivalry, it felt like a derby game. When I played against Vancouver, I never quite felt like it was a derby game all the time. I don't know if you felt the same or different, but what's your take on the difference between those two games? Yeah, I, th- I think that that rival- rivalry was more present a little bit, I think back in the day, maybe USL days and maybe even eight, uh, you know, even before that, yeah. uh, NASL days. Um, and then for some reason, I think the Portland rivalry took over. And the Portland one, like you said, feels like it's a proper derby um i had never experienced anything like that we kind of had a manufactured one when i was with columbus against toronto but it just felt so like the league was pumping it up and i kind of get those same vibes with vancouver because dude there's been times where we've played up there and they'll be chanting and then you walk by and like some of the fans will say good performance or good game it's like you turn around you're like is this reverse psychology is this guy really trying to get in my head like it, it just it, they're just so Canadian and so nice, you know. But to, to to be fair, there's been some good games, some really good games. And yeah. um, here in Seattle, you know, they they travel in droves from Vancouver. Um, we open the stadium, so it it has that atmosphere. But the game doesn't usually or always have that same bite. And I think that we always get the better of Vancouver, except for maybe one or two times yeah. um, that we played against them. So. I don't know. Maybe if it was a bit more 50-50 and the results were trending that way, it'd feel a bit more like a derby. But anytime you you wax somebody as many times as you as you do, it, it just feels a little bit manufactured, I guess. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree 100%. Well, guys, that's all we have time for this week. Uh, make sure you tune in next week. It looks like we're getting closer and closer to 
um, having some kind of football back with the Bundesliga coming back and hopefully more leagues to follow. Um, but yeah, this is Winging It with Zach and Brad. We'll be here as long as we need to be and then hopefully in the near future we'll be back in the actual studio. But thanks as always for the support. Subscribe, like, comment, do all that good stuff and we'll be back next week. Thank you.